0: Welcome to Ampere Studios, where we're sitting here with Maury Whalen, the Vice President of Software at Ampere. My name is Travis Lazar. Welcome Maury, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me. Yeah,
0: so tell us a little bit about yourself. What what do you do here? What's your what's your role?
1: So my name is Maury Whalen and I run the software engineering team at Ampere Computing. My role is to make sure that software is an amazing experience for our customers and stakeholders and developers on our hardware. When you are creating new silicon and needing to prove out software or enable software in early silicon development, we also need to make sure that our team has, is leading itself there too.
0: Sounds like a big job. Speaking it of, is. <laughs> speaking <laughs> of big jobs, how did you end up? here with that job? What's your, what's your Ampere entrance story?
1: So my history has definitely been all about software through my career. And one of the things that really excites me is to bring software to fruition that works so well in hardware, that all of a sudden it's like I connect my phone to a backend data center and my software is there. It's both in the phone, it's in the whole transport and the API layers and the interfaces that get to the back end, and then it's also in the back end actual data center. So basically, you're creating software that runs the world, and that to me is one of the driving factors on why I do what I do because it's pretty exciting to be able to bring new technologies to... Um, Real-world scenarios to uh, make software that is definitely something that I want to use every day, and then I want—I feel good about my kids using every day, and um, just pretty much powers the world.
0: So, Maury, can you share, you know, a little bit about what Ampere is doing when it comes to software uh, in this area, and in hyperscale, and in cloud computing?
1: When you really look at software and software development, and how software is evolving at Ampere to be world-class, you really have to look at our evolution of our roadmap. And as we know, we just shipped the Lenovo platform last October it was announced, our first EMEG official platform, hooray. We really need to make sure that, one, that the core operating system is rock solid on that platform. So any operating system that somebody wants to go and obtain and download and put on the system or work with an external party, we want to make sure that Linux operating systems and other operating systems are just rock solid so that any solutions that are run on top of that operating system, people just don't have to worry about the underlying feature and functionality and, and hardware. And we definitely put a lot of emphasis into what we'd call you know our core, right? How do you do core enabling? And making sure that we're working with a lot of vendors and making sure that their operating systems are tested early. So when we do go through our roadmap releases, you bring in early silicon, you're working with OS vendors, you're making sure that you're really rigorously running through their early OS releases to make sure you flush out any problems early. We also have implemented a um, pretty slick continuous regression system. So what you really wanna do, and what we have been able to do internally, is anytime we see a solution change, an OS change, we're downloading this code, and we're running it through basically our set of platforms that we have, and running a standard set of benchmarks and workloads, and making sure that we're not seeing any regressions. Because the last thing that you want to have happen is have something change in an open source project, an open source community, and find a regression at the last minute. So it's really going back to the you know some of the mantra that happens is You know, release early, release often, find the bugs as soon as you can. And we're instituting some of these best practices to make sure that we really have quality software available for people to run on our hardware.
0: So you said open source a lot in in your description of Ampere software. I think a lot of software developers that the work in the field and work in industry, they focus a lot on proprietary software and applications. Whereas it sounds to me like Ampere contributes to or relies upon a lot of open source software. Is there a big difference between a company who's building mostly proprietary software as a solution versus interacting with the open source communities? Is that sort of what's Ampere's connection to the open source world?
1: Something that's really important to Ampere is that we do have a really well-run open source strategy. And some of the things that we want to make sure that we're doing is we're using open source drives a lot of the cloud. And so in doing so, we need to make sure that the operating systems, the firmware, the open firmware, a lot of the open industry and standards actually that are being developed in the industry that we're contributing to not only internally within our projects but we also give back to the community that we actually get it so they can better support our hardware and then you can run those operating system and solutions back on our hardware so that definitely contributing to an open source ecosystem is part of ampere strategy it also you know going back to your question on kind of the proprietary versus open You know, we have our now have a developer.amcurecomputing.com website where we are making tools and documentation and literature um, available to a development community so that when they get our hardware, they actually have the information needed to be successful with it. And one of the beauties of working with developers and working with the open source community is they're taking your hardware and you've given them enough information that you don't know what they're going to go invent with it. And that, to me, is most, some of the most exciting parts of my career, is seeing what somebody else does with your hardware because you've actually enabled them and given them the tools to succeed with it. And that is one of the differences that you'd find with open versus proprietary, is you're giving people more freedom to go explore, event, create new technologies, innovate. And you just never know what they're going to bring back to you either.
0: Talking more specifically about the software that Ampere builds, what are Ampere software engineers working on today and what are they going to be working on a year or two, three years from now?
1: Today, to make sure that our silicon is well supported. We do have software teams that are working on areas of firmware. And this is both in proprietary solutions and then open solutions. So when you're looking at the open solutions for firmware, we're doing things with Giana Core, OpenVMC, for example. When you start kind of going up the stack from after you've powered a system on and gotten through the firmware, we also look and are uh, making sure that an operating system itself is running really well on our hardware. So you do have people that are operating system experts people that know memory management systems, people that know security, people that know things with you know SATA and, and storage and those type of solutions, networking. Past that, you keep going up the stack and you're getting into definite cloud solutions where more middleware type of applications run. So maybe we go off and do something where we do an OpenStack empl- deployment. And what does it take for OpenStack to run in our hardware what is about our hardware actually is making OpenStack different, right? So you do have you know, different type of topologies. Past that, even going into what it actually takes to produce software, we need to not only do things internally and prove things actually are working and viable solutions for our customers, but also you know, look toward the future, right? where is the software in the community and the open projects actually going? If something is maybe proprietary today, is there some standard or consortium that is actually happening around it that we wanna go involve ourselves into? And I think when you're looking at also that we are operating off of the RMISA, we also wanna make sure that the Um, ARM ports that happen in projects that we're also contributing to and helping influence and lead the the direction of these. So, for example, things like OpenJDK, we not only want to make sure that it works well, but we also want to make sure that we're developing a vibrant community back into OpenJDK by contributing code back to the project. We're also doing a lot of compiler work, so things with GCC, with LLVM,
0: You know, as you talk about these things, and I think back even three years ago, the most obvious question is architecture, right? So so the the sort of software ecosystem around the ARM 64-bit architecture has dramatically accelerated in the past few years, which has sort of enabled Ampere to exist in its current form. So where have you seen the most growth or change as it pertains to the hardware architecture and how software is is involved in that. Are you, are you seeing big support from software communities? And where is that support coming from? Why, why do people today build software targeted at Arch 64 versus three to five years ago?
1: I think you have to look at the benefit of the hardware when you really look at the total cost of ownership of Ampere servers and the amazing power savings with the increase in performance This is really what drives engineers to go off and make creative new solutions. A lot of the work that's been done in the open ecosystem, I would definitely say over the last three to five years has been exciting and it has its own evolution of um, itself to some of the most significant areas have actually been with UEFI and, and the ACPI, the whole firmware architecture boot. Um, There's been so much work done in this area that um, I think it's benefited the entire industry to get more standard and um, open infrastructure that just makes it easier for uh, customers to adopt our architecture. Those are really some of the most exciting areas.
0: So if I want to go and develop software and test it on Ampere Hardware, is there a way for me to do that today?
1: There is. You know, servers are expensive, no lie there. And so for the, you know, most developers, how do you actually get a hold of Ampere systems and want to prove out or try new things on Ampere hardware? One project that is an industry project is through a company called Packet, and they're funded by ARM to provide something called Works on ARM. Works on ARM is a bare metal cloud service where we do have ampere hardware and people that are doing development can go and actually use it for free so i definitely would encourage people to do that i think some of the other avenues is we are also trying to work more and more with compute community and different software consortiums and different software projects that are happening to make sure that we make hardware available to these projects. So, for example, they can run builds every night and just um, really pound and stress out our 64 support that will benefit on an Ampere server that would actually benefit us on the long run. So my goal is definitely to keep finding ways to make our hardware available to developers that want to come and develop with us, which I encourage.
0: So if I'm... A developer or I'm somebody who's not currently working for Ampere and I'm interested in being part of the Ampere software team. What kind of skills are you looking for? What kind of growth areas do you see within software at Ampere? You know, what are the biggest areas of need in terms of, of Ampere's next year or two uh, in terms of, of the software team?
1: There's definitely different levels of software engineering that's required to come in and figure out if there's career opportunities here at Ampere. I think one of the things is you know, just having a computer science degree or a relevant number of years of experience in a community project where you've actually done coding, you have done architecture, you understand things about architecture and how ARM architecture actually works. Those are definitely of huge benefits. You know, you can go to many parts of the stack where, you know, there's very very low level into, you know, people writing compilers, people doing things in assembly, people doing things in C... Just, you know, just then keep coming up the stack, right? Somebody that maybe knows Linux kernel internals. Um, somebody that knows security, the memory management system, things about storage or storage systems. And then just, you know, keep going up the stack is, you know, maybe somebody's a, a great open stack developer and knows a lot about network topologies or they know a lot about, you know, containers, um, maybe with Docker or Kubernetes and orchestration via management, virtualization, it's any literally anything that you can think of that runs in the cloud, we are probably working on in some contexts and those opportunities definitely exist.
0: And I'm sure that people looking at Ampere, they may be coming from companies that are, are huge, that are multinational, maybe tens or hundreds of thousands of people. You came from a company that was hundreds of thousands of people and can you shed some light or some insight onto your sort of experience transitioning? What was the biggest takeaway for you or, or how do you feel about that?
1: So I think the beauty of coming and working at Ampere is we're going off and making something that is just an, super amazing for a new cloud and new cloud technologies in the hyperscale market, plain and simple. And that right there is an exciting in itself is what's going to happen in five years from now? How are people actually going to use the cloud? What's going to happen with power management? What's going to happen with performance? What's going to happen with connected devices? And those type of things are what really drove me to really consider coming and working at Ampere, leaving, yes, you're right, a rather large organization to more of a startup mentality. And the cool thing is we now, we don't have a lot of legacy that keeps us, Held back into maybe legacy type of support, we just go off and invent what's what we need what needs to be new, right? We are literally inventing the future. And that's what, you know, I think gets a lot of us up every day and excited to come to work, is we're only limited by our imagination on what we actually want to do. Of course, there's tried and true, right? We do have a product roadmap. We are going to be delivering software that meets that product roadmap. But then past that, you have to look around and say, oh, but there are some other really cool things that we could be doing. And let's figure out how to weave them into our overall plan of record that we actually want to do this year or next year, because we are definitely inventing the cloud of tomorrow.
0: So thank you so much for joining us, Maury. This was it was really cool to hear from you and, and hear more about Ampere software. Do you have any parting words of wisdom?
1: I do. The one area that I really encourage people to come is to come and be an Ampere developer. Come and join us. We are creating amazing technology. We do have a developer.amperecomputing.com website. We'd love to hear from you. We are definitely engaged and going to some of the industry conferences. Come by and say hello. And if there's anything that we can do to make your development experience easier or more useful or, you know, some creative idea that you think that we should be looking at or working with you or collaborating on, let us know about it. We definitely want to build a developer community and we can only do that if we make things available to you to make you successful.
0: Thanks so much. And thank you to Mahesh Madhav and Beth Gordon for joining us today as producers in the studio. Signing off till next time.